0: They're Ben and Aaron, and they love sharing about their love for Jesus and food covered in cheeses. Weird news, history, sports regaled from a generation raised playing Organ Trail. National celebrations almost every day. There's only one thing I have to say. Don't you point or stare at their lack of hair. Yes, they're follicly challenged, so sing along with the biblical Baldy Ballad Get out of here, Baldy. Get out of here, Baldy. If you don't know what I mean, read 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 23. Get out of here, Baldy. Get out of here, Baldy. If you don't know what I mean, if you don't know what I mean. Come and take a listen
1: to your two bald kings. Blessed be, Baldy buddies, and welcome to another episode of the Get Out of Here Baldy podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Michaud, and I'm joined by, as always, Pastor Ben Hitzfield. Brother, good to see you and hear your voice.
2: (laughs) Yes, likewise. I'm glad we can be flexible and make this happen for all of our baldy buddies who you know i mean they'd love to hear us on tuesday but if we give them a gift on you know thursday night friday morning or whatever i think i think they'll be pretty happy so um,
1: there you go you know we i i think we're pretty consistent yeah for i would say a so. couple of guys who don't know what they're doing
2: <laughs> i was gonna say <laughs> i mean if you're gonna grade us on consistency you've got to you've got to give us at least an a on that so i think so <laughs>
1: man You do so. Everything. What's going on in your world these days?
2: Oh, last uh, so you know I've had some sensitivity with the back molar for a number of months now. Like when I eat ice cream and it touches the tooth back there, it would. So I just thought it's just sensitive teeth, you know. And so I got some Sensodyne and thought, okay, whatever. Um, And uh, so about late last week, probably Friday, began to be the first sign of. It's probably more than just a sensitive tooth. Um, Saturday and Sunday were just periods of just all out, just pain. Like I wanted, I just wanted to just say, Jesus, take me on Sunday after church. I mean, I had, I've never experienced that kind of pain before. Uh, and, and so I went to the dentist bright and early on Monday morning. I thought they were just going to like, rip out all my teeth you know <laughs> i just thought it was gonna be like the, the you know the beginning of the end for me and uh she was like "Yeah, hey you got, it's a cracked tooth and the tooth itself like it, she said the x-rays look like there's nothing wrong actually inside the tooth it's just that the tooth's cracked at some point uh must have bit down hard on something and uh and that crack must have gotten been getting bigger and bigger over time and just recently probably sometime last week probably bit on something that uh really brought it to where it's at now so long story short tomorrow is the day root canal i've been i'm just like so pumped for it man i'm like bring it on dude bring it on
1: it's you know it's (laughs) like one of those things where when it gets dealt with your life's gonna probably be yeah feel a whole lot better that's right so my dad story from my dad on the tooth thing yeah um he had one i don't know if it was his wisdom teeth or what they did but rather than like pull them they like when they hit like they cracked him, like, and pulled out, like, the slivers of his wisdom tooth. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, like, 30 years later, <laughs> he was having, like, this immense amount of pain, uh, like, in the back of his mouth, and it was like they didn't get all the slivers. Oh, my God. And gosh. they just started coming through the surface.
2: Oh, that's terrible. Um,
1: just so – I don't know. Thank that's, God they've come a long way. ways. That's, that's horrific. But I oh, re- yeah. Like it's – I don't have a lot of memories from when I'm a kid. But I remember we were visiting my grandfather, I think from Hawaii. And we were out – he had this like trailer on his ranch property next to his main house. And we just got to take that thing over. And I just remember my dad – pulling out like a sliver of uh, tooth from his gums a- after just days of being miserable. And so <laughs> he can sympathize with you, brother.
2: Dang. I, I can imagine that's, that's pretty, that's pretty crazy. Um, so well, but how's yeah. everything in your world over there in, uh, Southern Missouri,
1: Dude, pretty good. We're like, I mean, it's been beautiful. Yeah. You know, I mean, yes. I this February weather, yeah, this I could take good. this. Um, yeah. We're getting ready for my father-in-law to move to town, Very so nice. he's coming up in a couple of weeks. Awesome. Um, and and so that's been fun. I turned 40, 41 last week.
2: Yes, you did. Happy birthday, Aaron. So, Forty one. There
1: we go. i not. That's yeah, awesome. I mean, the big one passed, but <laughs> yeah, I just feel old. So. <laughs> The March of Time, but that was fun. I mean, it was kind of low key. I actually uh-huh. laid flooring on your birthday, on my birthday, Good. and that whole weekend. And, and I know that makes muscles you happy that I had forgotten about,
2: right? No, I you, you, dude, you, you like come alive when you have a project, so I know you know yeah. that was just something you love to do. So,
1: well, there we go. So, <laughs> been doing that, which means I might be like, so that how we got into this mess was my my f- Wanted to stack the washer and dryer so we had a oh, place for uh-huh. the dog bed. Sure. Because there's a little doggy door in our laundry room where they can kind of mm. like, rather than being crates, they okay. can get it out and use the backyard and nice. all this stuff. But okay. Rather than have a doggy bed in the middle of the floor where you're like trying <laughs> to open the door and get around it. She's like, if we could stack them, then we could build. So I did this whole thing. Okay. But our washer and dryer are so heavy that I was like, dear, we need to do the floor. Hmm for this room because I don't ever want to move this washer again. Yeah. I said we're it, it's staying with the house if we ever sell it. I'm not, <laughs> we're I'm done. Sure. Um and well the, the mistake was that I did it and they looked so good and they were actually pretty easy to put down and I'm like, well now I got to keep going. So <laughs> I did the whole we're going to end up doing the whole house but like uh as uh, time and money allows, but yeah. I did the kitchen dining room. Um this this past weekend, which was and man, but it, like then I'm like now I gotta go get more because it looks so good.
2: You're a machine, dude. So, You're
1: just oh, a machine. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you. So there you go. <laughs> All right, a national celebration. This is February 6th So this was back on Tuesday, but that's okay. You can still celebrate it, folks. Into the weekend here. Please it's do. National Chopsticks Day, and this is held every year on February the 6th, and Like, I mean, when I think of chopsticks, I can just smell the stir fry. I can smell the the rice, the orange chicken already. Mm. It sounds so good. Mm. But uh, you know, a large a large part of the population of the world has been using the chopsticks as their utensils of choice for quite some time. Um, People in China, I think, started at least. We we have evidence as far back as 1200 BC. Goodness. and so again, uh, every time you use a chopstick, you you engage actually fifty different joints and muscles. don't know if you knew that or not. So <laughs> How, you use your fingers, wow. your wrists, arms, shoulders, and it's so it's actually a pretty good workout. <laughs> so you're burning when you eat Chinese food, right? You're you're getting a workout. Um, and so there's just there's just a lot about this little humble little chopstick. Um, and then I think again we all probably have an experience and so Ben what is your 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 skill level with chopsticks very novice very novice very novice yeah um, now do you need the training set or can you actually like yeah can you get through a meal
2: no I'd probably need a training set <laughs> so uh i i would I would probably starve if uh if I had like if there was no other option but to eat with well I'd eat with my fingers but
1: so wait a minute. I no. I had I've eaten Chinese food with you. Uh-huh. And I don't think I noticed you forked it? Oh,
2: yeah. Oh, yeah. Dude, that's that's the most efficient way to eat Chinese food.
1: <laughs> it might be more efficient. That's probably true. That's funny.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, I'm,
1: I'm like, I'm, pretty, I'm a pretty big <laughs> proponent for like using chopsticks when they're available. <laughs>
2: well, maybe, I mean, y- you've impacted my life in so many ways. And so maybe I will, next time I'm out and about, just send me like your best YouTube video of, of how to use chopsticks and we'll go from there.
1: Well, I'll do that. Well, and Kay. there is, there's some different training wheel methods. Okay, Kay. Okay, so I remember when I was young, like loved Asian food, but it was, yeah. you know, kids have trouble with the chopsticks. Yeah. And at we went to a restaurant where they took like, I don't know, it was, you know I think it was just maybe a rolled up napkin and a rubber band oh, or whatever, but okay. made it so it was very easy to use. And yeah. that's kind of how I got, I started learning it. Now they yeah. actually make like um, little rubber <laughs> things that you can buy online and stuff that, that are like training, like seriously training wheels for chopsticks. Yeah, yeah. Um, huh. And so anyway, All right, there's well, help out there for you, brother. <laughs> Well, next there time, is. next time about
2: for Chinese, I will uh, I will get the, the chopsticks that they offer there. Because I um, just, I mean, I gotta be,
1: honest, I gotta mm-hmm. level with you. Yeah, yeah, I gotta yeah, shoot straight with you. Do it, and on all of our listeners, <laughs> if you guys can't use chopsticks, you should be embarrassed going into a Chinese food <laughs> restaurant. Okay, <laughs> he's he's laying it down. Like, he's laying it they're down. They're making fun of you in back. <laughs> That's what they're doing. <laughs> Like You just, you gotta be, you gotta be very aware that that's awesome. what's taking place.
2: Well, and I wonder every time I ask at Mexican restaurants, when I ask them to hold the pico, if they're like, well, oh, this is, yeah, white guy in the house, <laughs> gringo in the house here, so, yeah. Yes, that's mm. definitely happening every well, shoot. time we go out to eat.
1: But Gosh. the food's good, so. It is good. I'll take it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess if you were deft with chopsticks, then what would your favorite dish chopsticks dish be?
2: Orange chicken, dude, all orange about chicken. the orange chicken. And that's at, uh, you know, the local places that's at, uh, uh, Panda express. Just give me all the orange chicken in the world. I'm a happy person.
1: Dude, I got to see if Asa has ever used chopsticks. Cause he loves like going to a Chinese food buffet is his new favorite thing. Okay. Yeah. Um, And so I don't know if we've. I've tried to teach Asher, I know. We'll have to see. So, orange chicken. My favorite thing is sushi. Oh, okay. So, I just, I really like. Picking up the pieces and then dunking the uh, nice, you know, you use the the chopsticks to put the wasabi and the, the shoyu and then mix it up. Yeah, and then dunking it like that's just a whole experience that I really <laughs> enjoy with chopsticks.
2: Now, when you lived in Hawaii, are chopsticks uh, a a a tool down there that they use for some of their foods? Yeah, for the culture. Uh, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, a lot of it. I mean, they didn't really like when you're doing Hawaiian food and stuff. Some sometimes mm-hmm. because there's a lot of Japanese influence as well yeah um, sure again a lot of their their things were pretty eclectic and so there's a probably a lot of bleed over so yeah i think i got pretty that might be one of the reasons i developed the skill is whether well, we were probably using them enough growing up to to do that we even in our house we had like you know non-wooden ones i don't know if they oh. were some sort of resin or plastic but they are yeah. like nicely decorated very
2: okay mm-hmm. so we actually had chopsticks mm-hmm. at home I've seen those so there you go. Goodness.
1: Anyway, folks, if you if you've never used chips, chopsticks, or you feel like your skill level is low, you know what? There's time to grow as a human.
2: Yeah. No, wow. uh, you you've challenged. You you've laid down the gauntlet, and I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a try next time I go in. So it, it'll be my celebration for getting my tooth fixed next week. I'm going into Hunan, getting orange chicken, and I'm using chopsticks.
1: There you go. I love it. <laughs> Um, So, when I think of chopsticks, I cannot get out of my head a scene (laughs) from The Karate Kid. Oh, yes. (laughs) And so, if you remember, Mr. Miyagi would have Daniel's son catch flies. With the chopsticks, yeah. With the chopsticks. Mm -hmm. And so, that brings us to our Baldy of the Week, Pat Morita, who is the (laughs) actor who played Mr. Miyagi. Mm. Uh, Again, he's known for... um, His uh, other roles, uh, Matsu Arnold uh, Takashi on Happy Days, again, Mr. Miyagi the Karate Kid, Um, Captain Sam Pak in the comedy series MASH, Um, Ah Chu in Sanford and Son, and Mike Wu in the mystery files of Shelby Wu. Um, He also did the voice for the Emperor of China in Mulan and Mulan 2. And so, again, you're probably familiar with Pat Morita. Um, and again, just it, the TV shows, the movies, uh, he was, um, again, really when there wasn't a lot of Asian American leads, um, kind of a pioneer in that department. And he was nominated in 1985 uh, Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor in his portrayal of Mr. Miyagi and the Karate Kid. Um, and that would be the first media franchise in which Morita was kind of the central player. and mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how familiar you are with Pat Morita, but uh, do you have a kind of a favorite show or, or movie or scene that you're just like, man, that really, if I think of that guy, that's what comes to mind.
2: Yeah. Um, Karate Kid for the most part. I'm, I'm not as familiar with him in the other roles, but um, probably the most iconic for me with, with, uh, with Pat is at the end of i think this, this is number 1 when he's got uh he's got the sensei what was the sensei's name the evil, the bad guy oh um hmm. d- d- d-
1: well, Ah. Yeah. Well, we saw cobra kai on the old yeah
2: but you Netflix. know so basically daniel son has uh just won his match and um they have the final little confrontation out there in the parking lot <laughs> and uh and Mr. Miyagi comes to uh to Daniel well I think um yeah so Mr. Miyagi and Daniel are standing there and the sensei comes up and tries to you know pick a fight and uh Mr Miyagi gets him on the ground you know and he's <clears throat> he's like ready to, to punch him you know and you like, you're like just give it to him like hit him hard and instead of Punching him, he kind of fakes it, and then I think what he pinches the nose or something. Yeah. That's just
0: honk.
1: Yeah, <laughs> makes a honk <laughs> yeah. noise. That's that is it's, such a good scene. That
2: is. Is. is Yeah, because it's like he because he's so in in those roles, he's so serious, so stoic, um, just very simple, and uh, and so in that moment, there's like uh, him being kind of silly, you know, and just just for a brief moment. Yeah, and merciful too, um, because there was that's really a reversal on the Cobra Kai show no mercy. Um, mm-hmm. He shows mercy. So I thought that's, that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I really did. I mean, that, he, that was such a great character because of that mix between it just, the, the ability to stand up and like kick butt, mm. mm-hmm. but also like there was this real graciousness to him and using, wielding that power in the right way and for the right purposes. I think yeah. those were things worth, exploring um yeah i think that's really what i remember him from that i mean just the headband even yeah having hands over to him and the other pl- the place i remember him from just not re- there's no scene that really comes to mind but my dad loved mash okay watched yeah. it like every night before bed it was mash seinfeld and then mash <laughs> um and so i like seinfeld <laughs> seared into my brain but i remember uh, Pat from those those scenes in, in MASH too yeah. a little bit um, and some of those other shows are probably a little before our time mm-hmm. uh, but yeah. some of our listeners who again might have celebrated more than their 41st birthdays there's there's a few might, of them
2: our biggest might fans know Pat
1: from some of the other ones but <laughs> so uh, again Pat thanks for the memories man Karate Kid <laughs> is I he, love it
2: is he still alive
1: no he died in 2005 I think okay so it's been a while, mm. but Mr. Miyagi, there yeah. you go. Chopsticks. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's a good connection.
1: That's right. So we were both in uh, Mark one twenty nine through 39 this week. And so yes. I'm just kind of curious, brother, how do you p- approach this passage? Um, yeah. What were some of the maybe key things that you, that came out of it for you?
2: Um, so, I keyed in on the phrase in verse 37, when Jesus is off praying after a really long Sabbath day, you know, so he, go, he goes to the synagogue and he teaches there, then he goes to Simon Peter's mother-in-law's house and heals her, and then... It, it that same day, that evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon possessed. So it's a long day. Jesus is healing everybody that comes to the door. and uh, and then the next next moment, next kind of shift, it says very early in the morning. So he's up late. And then he's getting up very early, and I, I asked the question to folks. So, how many of you, when when you think of very early in the morning, you think of nine or ten a.m. in the morning, you know? And there was a few hands that went up <laughs> as well. Thankfully, the scriptures uh, tell us what very early in the morning means, and it's mm-hmm. uh, while it was still dark. <laughs> and so, um, and so, I I, I kind of keyed on the phrase when the disciples come to Jesus and they say everyone is looking for you and of course that's appropriate for this season of epiphany. Um, you know everyone's looking for Jesus um, because of uh, who they are finding him to be and what he, what he does. Um, and one of the things I wanted to point out is that in the midst of uh, a packed schedule and being with people, from sun up to sun down, Jesus found time. He prioritized time to be uh, with uh, his father and to, to be in fellowship. Mm -hmm. And then from, from that point, from fellowship with his father, then the disciples find him. They say, Hey, everyone's looking for you. And Jesus says, okay, um, let's go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there. Also that is why I have come. And Mm -hmm. so I kind of made a point that Jesus's mission uh, his purpose is empowered by a pause by having time with his father um and and connecting there that's that's where his power comes from his identity and his identity is is found in that time alone with with god with his with his father amen so that was uh that was kind of the, the main gist of
1: power and power pause man
2: that's that's gotta that'll that's sticky yeah i was gonna say kind of do a little bit of alliteration with the p's you know so there you you're go. You, you get your 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 purpose is empowered by the pause yeah oh, man. so <laughs> i love it
1: yeah what I love about it. what about you man so man this one was fun because yeah. uh, like i and i w- going back and having you know preached a lot of the early stuff or at least studied um, throughout Epiphany, I found this little scene with uh, Simon's mother-in-law like super interesting. Like, why did he stick this here? And it's kind of interesting. He's coming out of the synagogue, but the 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 last piece that Mark gave us on that one was that his fame was spreading everywhere, and so it's uh, it almost smacks of like him like removing himself from this like viral moment
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, and grabbing his disciples. Because more and more, I, re- like I, I start to felt like once you have the call of those four disciples, yeah. a lot of Mark 1 and, and into the, the next chapters feel like the focus is actually on him teaching them. Mm. so he'll be doing other things yeah. but like a lot of times the they is it doesn't it's like is that the nameless crowd or is it referring to these four disciples mm. it, like it's not really clear in the text sure and the more i've sat with it the more i kind of said i i, I think he's actually trying to 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 really focus on them and so it seemed to me that he kind of one he the first thing he does is introduces them to the spiritual battle that that reality, and then after that, in the spread, he like takes them and sticks them in this quiet place, one to let them know like that's not maybe what I'm about. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. I I actually see you guys and see the needs that are exist in your own home, and so he heals mm-hmm. like you're saying. He, he's got time for them in in the midst of his viral. Yeah. Again, his PR team would probably be mad that he took the time. Yeah. Right. Um, to right. go and do this. For sure. But but Simon's mother-in-law, what, what what's fascinating to mm. me is it, she gets up and she serves <laughs> after she's healed. Yeah. And I know, like, in my study of Mark, that a lot of the scholars will point to, like, 1045 as kind of the crux of the gospel. Okay. Where Jesus says, like, the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and give his mm. life as a ransom to many. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that's the only other, this is the only other time that word serve actually gotcha. shows up in the entire Interesting.
0: gospel. Wow.
1: And in that scene, in, in chapter 10, it's actually James and John come to Jesus and they're like, hey, we want you to do whatever we want. Right. And the he's like, Well, what are you asking for? And we want to see that at your right and left hand, come glory. Because yeah. you don't know what you're asking for. Mm. And so but the interesting thing is, in this little scene, James and John are also mentioned by name. And so it's almost ah. like these two little ah. brackets. Okay. I think Mark Interesting. I think Mark wants us to see a connection yeah. between mm. this scene and and everything between. And so I think what he's doing is presenting <laughs> Simon's mother-in-law as the kind of example of when the kingdom of of heaven breaks into your life, when you experience Jesus's healing touch, what you do is serve. The right response is to serve others. Um, And I think the crowds and the disciples kind of between these two brackets from the end of chapter one all the way to, again, Mark 10 – Kind of you'll see that there's not all they don't they kind of miss the boat, oh, yeah, um, yeah, and in this passage, I don't feel like mm-hmm. they like you don't it's not clearly negative, but I think there's in light of reading some of the rest of the gospel, I think you kind of wonder, like are are the disciples kind of excited about be getting famous and the growing crowds and other crowds just excited about what Jesus could do for them um, and so. I really kind of keyed in on Simon's mother-in-law kind of being the the example of what's supposed to happen. Yeah. And then I think in the rest of the Gospel of Mark, you'll kind of see, eh, not everybody responds that oh, way yeah. to Jesus' healing touch. Hmm. Um, That's good. And so, uh, yeah, my, I, kind of my key ideas were, one, remember the reality behind the reality because there's a lot of spiritual warfare still going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the two is, is being being afraid of, like, or er, uh, resisting that urge to become something. Because I think that's yeah. one of the temptations Jesus had in the wilderness, that sure. he's trying to teach his disciples, like, that's not what we're about. So yeah. he moves them on, right, as soon as yeah. the crowds start searching. And I'm wondering if every time popularity grew, if that's not when they went to the next synagogue yeah. or the next town. Sure. Yeah. Um, and then the third thing was just beware of the useful Jesus right the idea yeah. of mm-hmm. only following Jesus because of what he does for us because he heals us He yeah. has wisdom for us He ha- like he'll transform your life, he'll bear fruit like all of those things are true but when that becomes our sole motivator for mm-hmm. following or being obedient to him, I think I think that's dangerous territory. Oh yeah
2: uh, I think so man thats that's a good word. That's a very good word. I, I I wasn't as spiritual with the point about Simon's mother-in-law. I kind of made a joke about, uh, you know, after Sabbath meal, you know, wanted to go go and get some to eat afterwards. And Jesus is talking to Peter. And he's like, hey, you want to, like, I heard your mother-in-law makes a, a good pot pie, you know, and he's like, sorry, dude, she's got a fever right now. She can't cook. And she's like, don't worry, I got I to gotta take care of
1: I got, got that covered. <laughs> love it. Jesus was human,
2: he needed to eat too But no, I do. I, I think that is a very Solid connection, especially when you Point out that the only other time uh, That word serve Is used is later on, I mean that really Forms like a, I think what they call it Like a chiasm, where it Basically, those two They serve as bookends that tie Everything else In between that together So I would be curious to kind of Go through Um from from one serve to the other serve and uh, see where, you know, maybe where that pattern isn't, you know, where basically uh, the kingdom of God comes upon you or, you know, you're touched by Jesus um, in some way and then you're compelled to to serve, you know. Um, so, and I think another thought I had about that scene as well is, I mean, it really shows the point that her healing was uh, was you know, in instantaneous, you know, it wasn't Mm -hmm. like, uh, she recovered over a period of the rest of the day and the fever subsided or, and she was already recovering, but no, that it was, it was the power of Jesus over sickness to cause her to be healed immediately. And for her to get up and begin to serve at that moment. And instead of say, Oh, you know, give me 24 hours and I'll be back, back and and good to go. When when Jesus restores us, uh, you know, there's, there's a newness there. Um, and, uh, So, uh, yeah, that's, man, what a a good, that's some good insight there, brother.
1: So, we got the the power of the pause. Yeah. And healed to serve. Yeah. There you go,
2: Healed to serve. I love it. I mean, it was such a a good, um, I I think looking at some of the details that are often overlooked is one of the best things about scripture. And to ask, well, why is that detail there? Because it seems... Just so random, you know, but these, these gospel writers knew what they were doing and the way that they wrote yeah. and organized their gospels uh, was very intentional. And so.
1: Well, that that's a fun, like those are the, it's when the, you got those little strange stories that really mm-hmm. taking the time. And I, yeah, that's, I'm kind of with you aware. It's like, I just have started assuming this was a very, they didn't just choose this. They, mm. they placed it here carefully and purposefully. And so, again, sometimes it's clear. And then other times it's like, you really got to sit with it for a while mm. and try to figure out what is that about? Yeah. Um, but it can be a fruitful meditation, I think.
2: Oh, absolutely.
1: Do you, ha, wh- like, wh- have you done anything with the messianic secret stuff? Like the fact that Jesus is like telling everybody to be quiet and not letting demons speak.
2: We talked a little about that last night at, um, Wednesday D six. Cause we were going go through the lectionary text and, um, You know i i it almost seems like and this this is fascinating just to think about this is that jesus it's almost like he seems concerned that if if too much gets out too fast um that the riots and the mobs will, will come for him sooner and it's like i don't know what signaled that perfect time you know, for yeah. Jesus where he knew, I've got this much time on earth, and he wanted it to go to that point as far as possible, you know, and so while, while the events are foretold and Jesus knows they're coming, in a sense, it seems like there's sort of a um, a looseness with maybe if, if something just goes awry, you know, too soon, um, of course, there are times where... The crowds try and stone him, and he has to escape uh, after the synagogue in, in his hometown in Nazareth, I think it is. Uh, and just other moments where, I mean, if they could have gotten a hold of him, they would have killed him then. And so, yeah. he has to find ways to escape. And so, that is interesting, though, because a lot of times it's the people, right, that he heals. And uh, and he tells, um, not to say anything. Um, yeah, you get the,
1: uh, the leper at mm-hmm. the end of Mark chapter 1. So, yeah, you get the demons a couple of times in Mark 1, you get the leper, and then I think there's another guy. And if I remember right, the only person he doesn't say that to is the Gentile guy, Mm. the weird guy who's, like, living in the graves and, like, cutting himself. Oh, sure. Okay. Which is interesting. Yeah, it's interesting that um, in Gentile territory, it didn't seem to be like he had to keep it under wraps. Yeah. Which I think lends itself to, like you said... um, it's not again, I mean by the end of chapter three, what you got somebody who's plotting to kill him already, so it's yeah. like you said he's trying to stay off people's radars. I mean, it talks about too, he wasn't able to move freely because when people didn't listen to him, yeah. um, he couldn't go around as easily and then i i've I've been thinking too, just with mm. the disciples, and because he keeps saying, Look, I'm going to have to die, I'm gonna have to die, like really trying to make sure that before word gets out that they understand the nature yeah. Of, yeah. of the ministry. Sure. And whether it's getting caught up in the crowds, whether it's getting
0: mm, mm-hmm, focused mm-hmm. on See that?
1: the political or socioeconomic crises mm-hmm. rather than the spiritual battle yeah. that's going on. Like there's lots of ways that the like that. message of the kingdom could get distorted.
2: That's that's a good way to look at it. I mean, because he, he's training them. He, he you yeah. know, I mean, so, yeah, that makes sense. The more time with his disciples, the better at this point. Um. Yeah, I like that. Now I think it's yeah, funny. It's, it's it's curious. It's uh-huh. a curious little yeah. thing.
1: That's um. I, mean, I think you see it in some of the other gospels, but Mark, it's definitely prominent. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, and it makes me wonder if, when Jesus told the demons not to tell anyone, if at that point, like they couldn't. Like, like Jesus was shutting up their mouth or if they just went off and, and told as many people as possible. <laughs> like, like, what was their response? Like, he doesn't want us to do it, or well, we're going to do it even more now, you know? So. We're going to do
1: it anyway. Which is, I mean, God, there's a, that'll, that'll make you think about ministry today, won't it? Yikes. Have a cup of tea, everybody. Oh, there
2: you go. Oh, man, that's good. Uh, you know, one of the things I... I talked about um at d6 last night was um and this kind of goes along with what i think you had talked about as well as a reminder to people that there's under the surface and we we talked about this last week i think about um about demonic activity how it seems to at least here in the west sort of boil under the surface you know Mm -hmm. and and i'm still trying to figure out um where that line is between certain things that we say are, uh, medical conditions, you know, that we treat with medicine versus, you know, is this a spirit or maybe, maybe it's both. I mean, could, could it be both, you know? So, you know, that, that's something that I've been pondering more and more, but I think it is important for us as Americans to quit being so naive to, uh, to dark spiritual powers, uh, to to things yeah. in our world that want to whisper lies and deceits in our ears and cause us to um, to get anxious and fearful, or to you know really um, live in ways that are unhealthy uh, for us um, and our neighbors because of those those voices that are constantly um, speaking to us.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I want to talk a little bit about that, how – I mean, because it comes up a little bit in this passage where it's like he's – the 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 healing and the, you know, exorcisms are kind of like – they're not the same, but yeah. they're, like, obviously closely related. Here. Sure. And I think like, – this has just been a struggle for me until I, like, settled on in the biblical imagination there really is, like, this bundle of images – so, whether it's disease or demonic influence, you have again the, the, the desert or in the wilderness, you've got uh, the depths. So, even like Jesus' calming of the storm mm. is a way, like it's confronting the reality outside of like submission and obedience to God like all of those mm-hmm. things are images in their mind of that same reality. Yeah. And I don't think we have quite the same connected. We don't see them as connected. And some of them like when you do disease and and demons mm-hmm. like as a same bundle. That makes us very yeah. like squeamish. Sure. I think as – Yeah. Uh, and that's not to say that everyone who's got an ailment is like demon-possessed. That's right. not what the Bible's right. saying. saying. Sure. But it's saying that all of these things are a result of rebellion against God, mm. and Jesus came to deal with them all. Yeah. I think that's the beautiful, no, that's powerful good. thing. And so I've just rather seeing it, looking at it as just facets of Jesus confronting a fallen world. Yeah, I mean, that's really, I think, what they, they are. And so, absolutely. again, like it's, I mean, there's many, many books written probably on how and yeah. why all those things relate in our yeah. reality. But as far as the biblical imagination is concerned, I think we have to just get comfortable with, they yeah. <laughs> are kind of tied yeah. together I think more so. than we maybe are comfortable with.
2: I think so. That's a good word. Um, one of the thoughts that I had with this passage was, um, you know, you have the, the crowds that come to Jesus, then you have the, the demon-possessed man in the synagogue, and even though he's an individual, we're not privy to his name and really many other details uh, about sure. him. And then you have even more personal with Simon Peter's uh, mother-in-law. And mm-hmm. so, you have these sort of three levels of, uh, of sort of mm-hmm. intimacy, you know, and um, we, we hear a lot about the crowds. All throughout all of all of the gospels, and I had this thought that was like, you know, if Jesus wanted to save time and you know just be efficient, and you know the crowds are coming, instead of spending uh, until after sunset uh, with with people one by one, you know, could he have just waved his arm over the crowd and said, "Be healed," I have no doubt. He he could have done that, right? Sure. And so to me it just it's all the more beautiful that he doesn't do that and he chooses to spend mm. that time going from person to person. And and it makes me wonder what are the quality of conversations and interactions that Jesus has with each person that mm. comes to him. You know? So I don't know. I just love that idea that the crowds are coming and he just takes each person as they are, deals with them as they are and then moves on to the next person and it just makes me think of the the scene from one of the chosen episodes where Jesus comes back to the camp at night and the disciples are already back at the camp you know they've been eating and joking around and stuff and then here comes Jesus being sort of helped carried back to camp by a couple of the disciples because he's so Tired, uh, he his physical strength is gone. He's so drained, he has no energy. He doesn't even talk to the disciples. <laughs> I think he just he walks past them and he goes and he lays down uh, in his tent in his, you know his, where where he was staying yeah. and just lays there and out of exhaustion he prays to his father and it's just like, oh man, that's the Jesus that. We just don't, we, we haven't thought of very much. We just think of this Jesus that walks on water and, and everything is possible for him. But yet, you know, we, we forget that Jesus, uh, while he walked this earth, he accepted a lot of the limitations of of humanity yeah. and he faced those even while then receiving the Spirit's help to perform uh, these miracles, do these miracles. And uh, man is such a such a beautiful thought. And so one of my points on Sunday was Jesus has time for you. You know, mm-hmm. even though there's millions and billions of people who are praying and crying out to Jesus, Jesus has time for you. And um, Amen. It's good, good thought.
1: Amen, brother. Yes, that's a good. I think we're gonna end on that one. Hey, folks, mm-hmm. Jesus does have time for he you. He does.
2: Yes, he does. And so, yeah.
1: We should probably make some time for him. I think.
2: <laughs> boom.
1: <laughs> boom. Yes, sir.
2: Yes, sir. All right. Uh, for Lent, do you have anything? Are you going to be reading through some books? Are you going to be doing anything that... Uh, oh, what's yeah, because I you, just saw
1: your little your uh-huh. little post here. Yeah, um, yeah. So we will be uh, preaching through the book of 1 Peter. Okay. Um, and so, uh, again, if anyone wants to read through that, we're going to talk about really, like, Jesus' way of suffering. Nice. Um, and yes. the... I'll I'll be nice and say it's the invitation to join him in that.
2: Um, uh, uh, although Peter
1: might make it more <laughs> a little bit more of a demand. The more I I read that book, um, so that's what we'll do on Sundays, and then we're going to okay. be doing some prayer services oh, nice. where we're going to walk through the Psalms of Ascent. Oh yeah, okay, um, nice. and so just use those, and we'll kind of read those, uh-huh. uh, do some uh, back and forth reading of those, and then basically just sit for some time and, and pray through them. Sweet. But with that, one of my favorite books is a Long Obedience in the Same Direction" mm-hmm. by Eugene Peterson, mm-hmm. a great devotional book. And so I'll be sharing some quotes from that. So um, I'll probably be working my way through that again Fantastic. just uh, during the season as well.
2: I love it, dude. That sounds like a good good time. So uh, you know, last year uh, a, a local pastor friend of mine he uh, read he wanted to read Fleming Rutledge's book The Crucifixion was which was like 600, 500, 600 pages or something like that and, uh, and so he broke it out into, reading into daily one. readings man <laughs> dude oh that was such a such a good such a good experience reading for that book and I thought okay I want to do something similar this year and then invite either friends on Facebook and even the church to, to join me. So uh, Brian Zond from Word of Life here in St. Joe just came out with a brand new book, was just published on February 6th, uh, the wood between the worlds. And it's like, I think he calls it a theotic poem of the cross or I, I don't know. So, but like he has like 19 chapters of how we can understand the power and the work of Jesus on the cross. And, I mean, just the cover alone, it's like the best book cover I've ever seen. I I Mm. love it. So that'll be the first one, break off into that one. And then uh, the second one is John Mark Comer's uh, Practicing the Way. It's a new book that he came out with uh, talking about discipleship. So uh, looking forward to digging into that. And then I'll kind of have daily little blogs and stuff and different postings uh, about what I'm reading and, and hopefully get some interaction from others who are Going through that as well. So um, dude, that's fantastic. It should be should be a good time. I I love Lent. I mean, I'm not supposed to, but no, I think we are. I don't know. No, yeah. I we absolutely We're are. supposed to love and, and it. Yes, yeah. is
1: it yes. we conf- you confront some very serious realities, but yes. we could use a little more of that probably not less. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. So, man. I know. I'm excited. Well, I just love it. I don't know. I'm the guy I like when a pa- a sermon or a pastor kicks me in the backside like <laughs> it just reminds yeah. me of some things that i need so i yeah. like i lent is kind of like that season in the church calendar yes. i feel like
0: yeah uh, there's a
1: pillow coming right <laughs> there is right we'll get to the resurrection that's stuff, right that's but right like let's yeah yeah, yeah I, look, hit me in the numbers lord jesus uh, it, we, and we i feel could, like lent can do that I think think so and it's too. always good for me
2: One of the things I heard some, some guys on a podcast recently, they were talking about how the, the move from Catholicism to Protestantism, one of the things that Protestants lost was the, uh, the weekly and just the often act of confession, you know? Um, now yes, it was right to, to move away from the priests as being (laughs) ones who offered, uh, forgiveness of sins, but, uh, Nevertheless, you know James talks about the healing that we receive from confessing our sins to one another uh, yeah. and then there's another another type of um he talks about confession in another way as well in James. and so you know I, I think if if we can be become more comfortable with uh, daily rhythms of confession, um it it could be so freeing and so healing for us as as a church um, and just ground us in the grace of of Jesus and so uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to, I, I just love having that intention, intentional season of uh, digging into that, becoming Amen. friends with confession.
1: Amen. Um,
2: all right, and then last, Chiefs on Sunday, man.
1: Oh, dude, Super Bowl. You guys have your Super love Bowl, man. you ready to go? Um, we are, I think, hang, uh, there's a family in our, our church that hosts the college group. So we're going to go join them. Very nice. Um, and we're in charge of desserts. So Ooh. Sarah, I think Sarah's going to make one, and I'll make one. And I might. I'm thinking about whipping up a batch of your queso recipe, too, just to do it. be a crowd pleaser. Do so. it.
2: You'll be everyone's best, best friend. You guys
1: doing anything fun, or is the church having another party? Or?
2: Well, well, I decided uh, this could be the last time that you know the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl in my lifetime, or for a long time and I haven't been able to watch it with my brothers yet, so I'm going to go. My my parents came up last year, but this year we're going to go down to Kansas City and hang out with my mom and my brothers and stepdad. Are
1: your brothers, I I don't know if my brothers listen to this, are Are they as bad as mine when it comes to watching a football game together?
2: No, I mean, I guess it kind of depends. I think we kind of trade off sometimes. We can all kind of have our moments of irrationality, but I think over the last few years we've all just kind of realized, man, we're – this is a pretty sweet deal, and uh, I think we're all just pretty, kind of grateful for-, for Dude, I loved watching
1: the Chiefs with you because it was like, I know there are words that want to come out of his mouth, and he does such a good job harnessing them, but like you could tell it's it was a struggle at times. Yeah, yeah oh yeah,
2: um, absolutely. So
1: I, I just love it, but my brothers are a little ridiculous. Like they just, I mean, they'll start yelling at the screen and like- I love it. You know, Andy Reid's a bum. He doesn't know how to play. I'm like, yeah, he's a bum with (laughs) multiple Super Bowls. One of of the best coaches
2: ever. That's right.
1: I'm like, you might not have liked that particular call. I get it, but like, (laughs) let's not go to the extreme.
2: (laughs) No kidding. That's good, man.
1: Well, good stuff, man. There's, there's, there's a. If you're that person in the Super Bowl and there's a big party, just dial it back. Relax for the enjoyment of everybody. Just eat some
2: more food and just right for exactly for the enjoyment. Get some queso. That's right.
1: (laughs) You're eating queso, you can't talk. There There you go. go.
2: Stuff it. That's right. All Uh, right, man. This has been good. Looking forward to the weekend. Hope you guys have a great Sunday, great time of worship, and go Chiefs.
1: Thanks. Go Chiefs. And folks, beware those bears. Grace and peace out.